0: Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. I'm your host, Anna Ward. I'm a senior residential analyst here at Knight Frank and today I'm joined by Richard Templer. Richard is Director of Innovation at Imperial College London's Grantham Institute for Climate Change and the Environment. Richard is also a Sustainable Development Commissioner at the Greater London Authority. I'm also joined today by David Goatman who's Head of Sustainability at Knight Frank. So a very warm welcome to you Richard and David see you've got some excellent books behind you richard
1: i do i'm here at the royal institution our new home Um, i'm I'm delighted to be here
0: brilliant and david uh, a more modest book collection there but a warm welcome to you as well
1: hi anna good morning
0: So in this episode, what we'll be doing is talking about the lack of a green focus in yesterday's budget. We'll also look at the paradox of prioritising heat pumps without insulating homes first. And finally, we'll look at how much the government should be spending to help get property to net zero. To start with that big one, the budget. Clearly, the government has come under fire for a lack of a green focus. So we saw that the government announced cuts to air passenger duty, froze fuel duty and allocated more funds to road buildings. So Richard, I was going to start with you just in terms of whether you were expecting net Zero to feature
1: more heavily in the budget. First of all, to be honest, I mean, I was I was pessimistic because previous to that, obviously, we'd had the announcement of the net zero strategy, and the thing that really struck me was how unintegrated things were. In in other words, I'll put it in this absolute simplest. You know we have to be serious about all of this Um, this is not a bit of frippery this is really existential so we've got to be very well organized and that is just not the feeling i got so yes when i saw those kind of things in the budget i wasn't too surprised that doesn't mean I was happy, but I wasn't too surprised.
0: <laughs> and and Dave, from a property perspective, I mean, the only thing I could kind of note was that they did announce another big number, but obviously it can be quite hard to track what they mean by that. So they announced £11.4 billion extra funding. And I saw that the Green Alliance last year had said that that was the sort of investment gap needed for sectors, including property.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, they had a few announcements in terms of supporting specific projects, offshore wind in mm. Teesside. And a lot of kind of focus upon R&D and uh, increasing skills and budgets that are more focused upon the skills agenda than necessarily mm-hmm. direct implementation of projects to decarbonize. but as Richard says we had the net zero strategy yeah. you know very soon before the budget so in a way that kind of overrode what the budget was going to be able to to say but again you know there's, there's huge missing pieces particularly in terms of the whole retrofit agenda mm-hmm. which is obviously crucial to buildings as you know we have circa 3% rebuild rates in most developed countries in the world in terms of new construction versus existing buildings. So there's no strategy that I can see that allows us to do retrofit at scale mm. in the UK. Just on that point,
0: which you know, I think it's important to come on to because it obviously got a lot of attention in the press, the sort of obsession with heat pumps at the moment without necessarily thinking about, as many critics have pointed out, sort of insulating homes first. I wonder if we could come on to that. Do you think the government should be focusing as heavily on heat pumps in particular for this?
2: I mean, the the, the heat of building strategy was an eagerly awaited publication from government, which had been obviously delayed a few times. So there was quite a lot of expectation, I think, in the property sector around what that strategy was going to detail. And it did basically just say heat pumps, which, you know, I think isn't quite the level of granularity and kind of across the board implementations that perhaps people were thinking would come through that strategy and i'm skeptical about putting all of our eggs in one technological basket and just saying okay we used to have gas boilers we're going to take them out we're going to put in heat pumps we're going to electrify heat across really every type of property and we're going to have a gas grid that we'll work out what to do with afterwards but it will be partially redundant it seems like a very quick and easy thing to say let's just replace gas boilers with heat pumps but there wasn't a lot else that really explained the bigger picture for how buildings are going to be decarbonised.
0: What's the science point Richard just in terms of I mean is it fair to say that it is a contradiction installing heat pumps in a say a Victorian semi without it kind of thinking about insulating anything is that really going to you know help? You
1: know when when the document is called a strategy <laughs> the fact that it's not strategic it's not saying you know if it was strategic, one, it probably wouldn't have just gone and chosen the one technology. I completely agree with David. It should be, uh, you know, a statement that there are technologies that we need to implement that, that decarbonise heat in the home. It's a huge emitter, and to do that properly, we need to insulate homes. And, and maybe, you know, it's it's not necessarily that obvious to everybody about why that's important. Why is insulation? important. So if we just take the example of the heat pump, the point about the heat pump is it's going to use renewable electricity. Now, we're, we're doing great. The UK is really doing very well in decarbonizing its electricity grid. But we are going through a transition. And that transition is trying to stop us from burning stuff. So we, at the moment, we burn natural gas mostly to heat our homes. Um, so that energy has got to be taken up by the electricity grid. And that means a bigger electricity grid because we already use, we're already replacing the electricity grid for all the things that we already do with the electricity grid. Um, and then we've got electric vehicles as well. I could make a long list of all the things we're going to now
0: <laughs> Yeah, charge it's a big up. shopping list, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's a big shopping list of things that we're going to put onto the electricity grid. So to get from where we are now to the future in the transitional period when we're decarbonizing electricity supply, you know, we've got to be mindful of how how much energy we're actually demanding off of the grid so that in this case, so that people don't go cold. So if you're not energy efficient, it means you're just, you know, you're leaking heat. That means in, in the new world, you're leaking electricity. None of this stuff is new, by the way, there are countries not that far away from us, who use heat pumps, who've got really well-insulated homes, and their power supply bills, the amount of energy they're using, is actually very, very small, and they live in countries like Finland, which are much more demanding for heat than we are.
0: So what's the difference in Finland? They, I mean, are they just ahead of the game in terms of the tech? Is it cheaper there? Is it easier to insulate homes there?
1: I think maybe David would be better at answering this this, right. this question than me. probably has more insight. Chief
0: Finland expert, David, what can you tell yeah, us?
2: I've been to Finland once. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> okay. no, I mean, I, I, think, I think, you know, clearly we have particular ways of constructing homes in the UK, which are different to other countries. We've arguably been slower than others in we use modular construction how we use prefabrication how we use factory build versus on-site build we have a model where we build our houses on site from the bottom up you know laying foundations brick on brick and also you know the way our energy infrastructure has evolved over time we've been relatively slow to have decentralized energy infrastructure which if you look at finland and other countries across europe they were much quicker than us to have energy generation essentially in urban locations, smaller scale plants. Whereas in the UK, we have, you know, traditionally we've had big power stations on the coast and then a large, not that efficient transmission network carrying the power to people's homes. And at the moment in the energy crisis that we're experiencing, which, you know, didn't seem to, I mean, it was mentioned in the budget yesterday, but if you look at what's happened to electricity and gas wholesale pricing over the last six months, It is astonishing. And I still don't Mm. think people quite get what this means. You know, when prices are going up two, three, fourfold, that means that some businesses are simply not going to be able to operate because of the cost of energy.
0: What is it doing to the cost of renewable energy, though?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because actually I think it was the French government who were actually making some comment recently around actually the whole way in which we price energy in the wholesale markets needs to change. Because what mm-hmm. we've got at the moment is a pricing mechanism which is wholly linked to gas. So when gas goes up, everything goes up. But obviously, we're not just burning gas anymore, we have mm-hmm. renewables. So yeah. you know, the basket of technologies that we use to kind of set and, and, and manage wholesale pricing needs to reflect the way that energy is now being generated in lots of countries like Britain and also renewables. So I think this is very much a kind of a moment where we've been exposed for how fragile and the weak in a lot of ways our energy infrastructure model is.
0: Richard, I don't know if you've got any thoughts just around the cost of energy that um David's just highlighted. I mean I think
1: the issue here is that most of the 20th century had an equilibrium economy based on cheap fuel. And pegging the price of energy to gas at that point was a simple solution, you know, like a kind of gold standard for for energy. And now you're going through a transition to renewables, you're not in equilibrium anymore. You're, you're changing everything and you're using an old methodology for pegging the price. And if you look at wind turbines and photovoltaics and you look at the cost of doing them without any subsidy and you do the same for fossil fuels, in fact, fossil fuels are subsidized more than renewables. If you take away all those subsidies, so it's a level playing field, the renewables are cheaper. The other thing is they're not going to be prey to the kind of fluctuations that we've seen. So it should actually lead to a more stable energy pricing regime.
0: What about the current approach the government is taking, though? So in terms of looking to push the cost of heat pumps down by removing green charges on electricity bills and policing those on gas bills? I mean, do you think that's a good approach?
1: Well, I mean, we in the UK have had a long period since the 1980s of assuming that the free market economy will solve everything. And we just had a car crash with with the pandemic. And if you look at the heat pump funding, the way that the government is choosing to do it by effectively taxing energy users in order to fund this transition, it's a sort of free market version of doing a transition. Ultimately, of course, they're completely right. The money has to come from somewhere. Essentially, to see the transition, you need the heat pump manufacturers, the heat pump installers potential customers need to know that this is not going to be a, a flash in the pan so you do need something in there you need a stimulus in there I and
0: mean, richard i know that you're doing some quite cutting edge stuff around tech but when we last spoke i think you suggested it's still just too expensive i mean how long will it take for you know means of insulating walls and floors and things how long will that take to get sort of mass market ready
1: yeah so there's a whole suite of things as we said we need to insulate and then we need to decarbonize the heat so that we can do it efficiently. So one of the things we didn't touch on about, you know, when we were talking about our, our wonderful Finnish friends who've got super insulated homes, yeah. is they build them. Obviously, it's a cold country during the winter, so they, they, they've always built their buildings to keep them warm. So they are designed to do that. Victorian buildings, the sort of buildings that a lot of us live in, were just never built to those sorts of standards. And as, as David said, they, were, they weren't engineered, they were crafted, therefore retrofitting them, in other words, putting in insulation after the the fact, it's got challenges because it's gonna have to be done in some crafty kind of way. So for example, the other place we lose heat is actually through the floors, which are often suspended floors in the older buildings and you know the the traditional way of doing this you have to lift the floorboards up in order to put these great big blocky bits of insulation in so there are things going on there are companies uh, you can buy this stuff now you can Mm -hmm. go and go to your builder's merchant and buy it much thinner insulation. Mm-hmm. They're made out of a very clever kind of um, gels, but they've only just got to the market. So just like the heat pumps, they're expensive. They need also to be rolled out at volume so that the prices will go down.
0: Do you see all of that happening though, at the kind of same time or will we end up in a position where, you know, one of these markets might be affordable, say heat pumps are available, but you can't insulate a wall, So then we're back to square one.
1: I think the potential for them all to go in tandem is very high. We have a terminology for how far advanced the technology is called technology readiness levels. And these technologies are all at the same level. They are being deployed at small scales but they've been proved this is not a question of will it work or not can we manufacture it or not we can do all of those things it's Mm -hmm. to do with the deployment at scale and and that's where government needs to stimulate markets find ways of making these things happen at
0: scale okay Just one final question, because actually it was in the press recently. Joanna Lumley mentioned, you know, we've got a behavioural problem. She wants to see the government being more invasive on behaviour, even to the point of having like a credit system where if you fly to Paris one week, then you have to not travel again for the rest of of the time and you can only buy certain things, etc. Like a rationing system. Just wondered, um, you know, where you see that going? Because obviously we talk, Richard, I know you're not necessarily a fan of the free market, (laughs) but do you think the British public, you know, would even bother with something like that?
1: Yeah, I don't want you to go away, one, with feeling that I'm not a fan of the free market economy. I think that political dogma is fatal when Mother Nature is doing her thing. And if your particular philosophical approach to markets and so on is inhibiting your ability to act, then you as a politician are not taking your role seriously, which is to secure your citizens' livelihoods. You know, you have an army to protect you from foreign incursions. You've got a national health service to, to take care of their health and so on and so forth. Well, you've got a bloody big challenge on your hands at the moment, which is that you know, the planet is warming up. Extreme weather events are all around us. And I think that in a way, you know, Joanna Lumini's putting it in, in a beautifully simple way, right? You know, go back to rationing, We, we you know, the British spirit, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I think that at its core, there is, there is a message there, which is we all need to grow up. We've had an age of indulgence. It's
0: over. Okay. And David, just to finish, in terms of mentality around property, I mean, do you see the kind of obsession with, you know, the public buying kind of the premium, I guess, you have on older buildings, the desire to rip out kitchens and kind of burn more fossil fuels. Do you see that going away? I mean, there seems to be a cultural issue as well of people not really necessarily caring or prioritising that in some ways.
2: Yeah, I think it's partly generational. What's very clear across the investment world more generally is that younger people want to make investment decisions in a way that whether they're buying a property or they're buying any other kind of asset is aligned with their views on what the right thing to do is and so i think that that's generally a trend which is coming through in the younger generation mm-hmm. and and i think that will lead to some changes as well in the way that people look at real estate and in the corporate world it's happening very very quickly and the final point i say on your mention on the kind of limiting people flying and things like that is that it's increasingly common in the corporate world for there to be a you know a tax on flights Imposed internally by the business. So if someone in a business wants to fly to Asia 10 times a year, businesses in general at the moment are not saying you can't do that if there's a valid business reason, but you will be taxed very heavily internally on doing that. And so I think that kind of movement to make people really think about whether it's essential will grow and grow as well. That's
0: interesting. No, I hadn't heard that. Um, well, listen, thank you both so much.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks, Anna.
0: For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You can see our show notes for more details on that. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and do listen out for our next episode in a fortnight. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.